Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, this is episode 148. I'm Paul Spain, coming to you from San Francisco. And with me via Skype... I'm Harley Ogier, editor of PC World New Zealand. I trust your week's going well there in New Zealand. You've been uh, spending a fair bit of time at uh, Microsoft's TechEd conference, I believe. Indeed. Uh, this is the first year I've got to do TechEd, so I've been uh, there every day for PC World. Well, I suppose every day is the first day today and the next two days coming. And yeah, you're over covering Intel's developer forum. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty busy time here. Lot, lots going on. Quick visit up to uh, Apple last week, and then uh, this week, yeah, Intel uh, Developer Forum, and yeah, a few other bits and pieces going on. Of course, uh, Apple launched the new iPhones today up the road in uh, in Cupertino. Uh, so uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of an eventful f- few days. Uh, but let let's jump into our agenda now. First up, a quick chat through about um, IDF or Intel Developer Forum. So now this is an annual event. Now you've been to it a few times in the past, haven't you, Harley? I think I've done the last three years. It's it's always always a really good event, just because Intel is behind so much of the consumer tech we we get at the end of the line. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? I mean, certainly, you know, when we're, when we're looking at our, our PCs and laptops and, you know, also certainly in the enterprise space, business is heavily reliant on the Intel Xeon technology and, and their servers. So really, I mean, they cut across so many areas and uh, they're working very, very hard to push into the areas that they haven't been so strong in over the last few years as well. So, um, yeah, it's cert- certainly, what's the word to put it? it? It's certainly good that we've got such a competitive space at the moment as far as the chips and, and micro architectures and so on that, that relate to tablets and to PCs and and I guess yeah just about anything relating to technology needs uh, needs some smarts inside it doesn't it indeed well um, and certainly they are pushing into that tablet space thanks to the Windows tablets largely I know there's been some Intel Android collaboration but uh, certainly those Windows tablets that are based on the uh, Atom chips and on some of the some of the larger tablets on the core chips on the Core i3 and Core i5, um, that's pushed Intel into a space where they haven't really been playing before. Yeah, the focus on Android from you know what I'm what I'm seeing here is much increased. So you know I think that that's an area that will you know well we'll be able to talk about that. We've actually got a special edition podcast coming up this week where we drill down a little bit on some of those things. So I won't dive in too too much just yet. I mean there were a few, few interesting things at uh, today's keynote. The the new CEO of of Intel was heading that along with Intel's president, and there were there were some quite interesting things to uh, to come out of that. One one of the uh, one of the ones that uh, hadn't I guess hadn't been announced before that that they uh, that they did share is now of course we've just had those Haswell or fourth generation core processors which have led to a really impressive increase in uh, in battery life you know come out over the last couple of months the MacBook Air of course really being the standout product that we've seen so far but a lot more products likely to come through probably around the time of uh, the Windows 8.1 launch on October the 18th. Big battery life increase with that, uh, but today they announced that the the next generation, which is called Broadwell, is is going to uh, uh, reduce 
from the 22 nanometer technology uh, they use today down to a 14 uh, nanometer technology, which just shrinks the whole uh, thing even more. And apparently that's going to bring another good reduction in power consumption, uh, they're saying uh, potentially by uh, 30%. So it's um it's pretty good. That's yeah. Well, if you're talking about say a laptop worth with you know eighteen hours of battery life now, then that takes it up to twenty four, doesn't it? No, just a thirty percent reduction. So if it's eight to ten, you know, it might be up to you know say uh, ten, then ten to twelve, maybe ten to thirteen, yep. somewhere in that range. But yeah, it's it's certainly uh, you know these things are heading in the right direction and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's something that we've yeah any of those of us that that carry around laptops really uh, really appreciate not having to have them plugged in so often. So that's no, uh, it's pretty cool. One of the other things that uh, that they shared about is a new uh, platform. They're calling it Quark, and uh, this is an is a new. Um, they're calling it a, an SOC platform. So you know, in, in the old days, we'd have uh, you know have a computer uh, central you know processing unit and there'd be all these other chips that would sort of make up a motherboard and of course the SOC or system on a chip uh, technology is about incorporating all of that stuff into one uh, one chip so it can be very very small and the Quark platform is designed for the internet of things so really anything that, that you would happen to want to connect to the internet in some way be it a little smart watch maybe a, uh, uh, a sensor uh, that you'd wear for, for health reasons to report back to your doctor and so on and they're saying this is going to use about a tenth of the power of the current atom processor, and of course we know that the you know the atom processors and and the arm processors are pretty low in their power draw, uh, so a, a tenth of that is uh, is is pretty impressive for a small computing engine. So this is this, so this is very much aiming, as you're saying, at that Internet of Things in the same way that the atoms aimed at the uh, netbook market. I mean, the very first netbook wasn't based on an atom processor; it was a Celeron, I believe. The original EPC, so um, you're you're now looking at well, them pushing into a new market entirely. Yeah, and I mean, it seems that Intel really do have you know have have quite a strong uh, vision for the future. And, you know, we've seen various bits of their uh, their their research and development uh, here today. Uh, you know, got shown around some of the bits and pieces they were doing, and uh, uh, yesterday went through one of their uh, their testing labs. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating s- stuff, and uh, they've obviously got an idea of of you know a few things that uh, yeah probably we haven't thought of yet. And uh, this is one of the um, one of the technologies going to drive that. So uh, uh, pretty exciting. But the general feeling I get is that uh, most of the new uh, tablets and, and laptops and so on. Uh, we'll we'll be lining up with that Windows 8.1 launch uh, next month. I did have a look at some new uh, today, some of the new uh, ThinkPads from uh, from Intel. Uh, they've got new uh, T series, X series, and uh, S series, and uh, yeah, those are their business business class uh, laptops, and they're just you know continuing to boost those in in battery life and and also sort of shrink them down. Uh, a, l- a little bit in terms of uh, you know the the extra uh, yeah bits and pieces that are that are unnecessary. So uh, some some that's the Lenovo ThinkPads, is it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So uh, formerly IBM and and now Lenovo, who uh, also uh, 
uh, have been showing off their uh, smartphones that uh, that run an Intel uh, uh, processor inside them as well. Their Android smartphones, uh, which seem to be doing pretty well in uh, you know developing countries. I think they're number two in smartphones uh, now in the in the Chinese market. Uh, and and doing pretty well, I think, in uh, certainly one or two others. So, uh, yeah, fascinating to, uh, to 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 see that sort of approach. You know, most smartphone makers, technology makers, are sort of trying to win the big, uh, you know, Western countries first, and then and then pick up Indeed. the other ones off the back of that. But uh, yeah, Lenovo have taken uh, completely the opposite uh, approach, and uh, you know it sounds like that they'll they'll come to uh, uh, markets like the US a bit further down the track once they've uh, you know really gained some great traction uh, in the rest of the world. Well, in terms of Intel and phones, the last couple of years I've seen that there's been quite a selection of Intel-powered smartphones at IDF, and none of them have ever made it to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? All right, now uh, other other topics, of course. The big one, uh, the big one today, Apple's announcement uh, in Cupertino uh, around the iPhone 5S and the 5C. Now, Which, as I saw, uh, I saw on stuff does not stand for cheap. They're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure Apple would have uh, answered any questions on that topic, uh, would they? It was uh, it'd be a bit of a um, yeah. I, well, I guess they I, they never yeah. the, the letters never stand for anything, do they? On the on the iPhones in in general, do they? No, they don't. But if the C had to stand for anything, it's probably color in this case. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's certainly not cheap from what we're seeing in pricing. Uh, they're talking, I think, it's a hundred dollars less when we look at the U.S. price uh, for the 5C versus the 5S. Uh, so not not uh, not too much. I think we're talking uh, 549 US dollars, uh, excluding tax, uh, for the iPhone 5C, and then uh, 649 for the uh, the iPhone uh, 5S, which is I think the same as what the 5 was uh, for an outright you know purchase here in the US. Uh, now, what are your feelings on uh, on this announcement? What uh, what stood out to you uh, the most? Do you think? Uh, this is going to uh, to work out well for Apple. I I think it's going to work out well for Apple because people will always buy the new iPhone, and I don't think the uh, iOS seven, which was the other announcement, is going to present so much of a change that people will be turned off, as many people were with Windows eight. Uh, though that said, I mean it 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 does look quite different at a glance it's i mean it's almost got a kind of windowsy tone with the with the flat look to the icons and things but it's it's the the devices and the os are still you know apple through and through and people will go out and buy them solely because of that yeah very very much so i, I mean i i think uh yeah ios 7 the new version of the operating system and and that'll run on iphones back to Ooh, I've actually forgotten. Um, can you remember what uh, what I what's the um, is it the iPhone Was it the 4s? Yeah, um, I, I'm thinking that it's the 4s, but I can't uh, uh, I can't find my. There's been so much information I've been taking in today. Uh, okay, well I'll it's, I'll check. Yeah, oh. absolute information dump today. From, yeah, <laughs> from a lot of companies. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll I'll double check on that. We'll report back on that in uh, in a minute. Now, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I really look, quite like the uh, the flat look, and yeah, sure, people made the comments. Look, that's uh, that that's taken from Windows Phone and uh, or taken from Android or, or or what have you. But uh, I think it's definitely got a real Apple feel to it. it it's unique in its own right, and uh, yeah, I mean, we are seeing that sort of uh, you know, flattened uh, user interface. Sort of uh, yeah, it, it's becoming the norm. Uh, but I, you know, I like the way that uh, that Apple have done it. I think they've done a uh, done a really really good job. Uh, now looking at the uh, the phone, uh, the camera. What do you think about the camera on the um, the five five S? Have they advanced that enough? Um, honestly, I I can't tell you without seeing the camera in action because it's so hard to judge these things. People are always touting camera advancements, or I should say, companies are always touting the camera advancements. And unless uh, until you can put it side by side with another known quantity, and you know another iPhone, HTC One, one of Nokia's insane megapixel cameras, it's it's just hard to judge. I mean, they've got a eight megapixel camera with um, what are they what are they saying? Um, F2.2 aperture. They've got the yeah the same sapphire glass on the cover, so it's not going to scratch. You know, one step up from Gorilla Glass essentially. But it's 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 just still just a phone camera, and until we can put it side by side with other phones, can't say. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Um, the the two bits that stood out in the in the keynote for me uh were that it could shoot up to 10 frames uh a second in, in terms of still you know or 10 uh still shots a second which i thought was uh um pretty impressive actually that's you know that that's right up there uh you know with your with your high end um phones now oh just jumping back the compatibility is iPhone 4 onwards uh iPad uh 2 onwards including the iPad mini and the iPod touch uh fifth generation so that's so that was uh, the 4 not the 4S yeah so 4 so, so i mean including the 4S but yep, but also yep. the 4 below it yep. yeah yeah Yep, uh, which is what I had did have in the back of my mind, but after you said the four is, I thought I'd better double check. Um, so yeah, so I mean, most a lot of the de- you know devices uh, certainly from recent years are, are going to be able to get that upgrade, which is uh, uh, a good good thing. And of course, that's been available you know and around and uh, to developers for some time to uh, to play around with. So a lot of people have have seen that. Um, the other thing that stood out about the camera is a. Uh, is a high-speed uh, shooting mode for video of 120 frames a second. So you can imagine you take some footage like that, and then you can slow it right down, uh, and it still look really, really smooth. So um, as someone suggested today on Twitter, we're probably going to see a whole lot of sort of uh, slow-mo videos and so on appearing on uh, on YouTube. But, um, yeah, certainly still some impressive features uh, from a camera perspective. Uh, screen-wise, we're you know, looking at a very similar screen to... Uh, uh, yeah, to what what we've had before, in, in most regards, uh, you know, four, yep, in, four inch display. 320, yep, yep three twenty six pixels per inch. Yep, and that's the yep. same on the uh, on the five C, isn't it? On the on the new uh, uh, plastic coloured um, yep. iPhone, right? It is. Um, poly, I don't know if it's the same display, but all the spec listed for the display is the same. Yeah, so, yeah. So yep. similar, sort of from a specification perspective. Now, yep, yep. Same, um, same brightness, same contrast. Yeah. Now, I chatted to some of the uh, the Australian contingent that were up at uh, at Cupertino earlier on in the day, and 
uh, the bit that sort of stood out to them, and uh, and I guess it jumped out to me and in, in, in what I heard as well, is the new uh, fingerprint scanner for uh, for authentication. Now, yeah, my my concern was, look, just how easy is this thing going to be to uh, to use? Is it going to take a long time to recognise your fingerprint? I mean, we, you know, anyone that used one of the older fingerprint readers on uh, things like the uh, Lenovo ThinkPad tablets and so on uh, found those, well, mo- most people just generally didn't continue using them. Some of that was software because, uh, you know, not, uh, wasn't a, f- a feature that was built in at an operating s- system level, so it wasn't quite natural in terms of uh, how it worked in some cases. Uh, but also, it was a little bit hard to uh, hard to use. Did Did you have any thoughts on uh, on the fingerprint reader? Well, the the current generation fingerprint readers that I encounter on business oriented laptops, I, I find very usable. Okay. And um, they, I mean, I know exactly what you mean. And the older generation, you know, slower processes, uh, the software wasn't quite there, as you say, not integrated into the OS. Uh, it really did turn me off. But um, I'm, I have that IT department training that whenever you step away from your computer, even if you're not leaving the room, you lock it. And a quick way to unlock it is, is therefore extremely useful. So um, I, um, I've, I've been a proponent of, of fingerprint readers on, uh, on business laptops and for a phone, something that you, you should be locking all the time and, in fact, will lock itself if you've got it set up right after a very short period of time. Um, a very quick way to unlock it that's... You know, certainly, surely as as secure as a, as a short pin code, is um is, is a great option. And again, that's one of those things that I I wouldn't want to comment on how well it works until I've had a chance to try it myself. But uh, I, I've I've got hopes for it. I don't think it's as crazy as as an idea as many have made it out to be. No, well, certainly the the feed the feedback, as I say, f- uh, um, from um, our brothers from across the ditch, uh, is that. Yeah, it, it is actually very, very impressive. They said it can it can take a couple of minutes to actually scan uh, a finger in there, one to two minutes, because it, the software wants to get every possible sort of part of your finger. Uh, but but once you've actually got it in there in its entirety, uh, you I mean you you just put your finger on the button and it, and it scans it and you know to the point they were saying once once you've actually done that. Uh, you know, it's it's almost to the level where you whether you forget you forget what it's doing. You just put your finger on it and uh, um, yeah, push the, uh, the 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 home button, which also scans your fingerprint. Uh, and uh, you know, and away you go. It's it's that fast and that seamless. So, uh, you know, f- for me, that's that's something that really stands out as someone that is used to having to you know put in uh, put in my digits, put in uh, pin code Absolutely. to get into the phone. You know, uh, and I think businesses will be really interested in this because they do uh, tend to enforce security on their on their uh, smartphones as a policy. And this is just something uh, else that's really in Apple's favour. So you know, I, th- I think uh, yeah, maybe uh, you know it's another thing that's just going to make life that much harder for uh, for BlackBerry, uh, you know, who have who have kept that market share because they're considered to be the most secure. Uh, you know, from what what we've heard from Apple, it sounds like the uh, you know the technology behind this uh, you know is is pretty robust and isn't going to be a a risk that someone's going to be able to hack in and uh, you know steal the uh, your uh, your fingerprints and so on. 
Yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to see how it stands up to the standard gummy bear attack that's used against uh, fingerprint scanners, which is to take a fingerprint impression on a gummy bear and scan that, which did work on a lot of the older readers. Um, but it, it does seem like quite new technology. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's yeah. worked for some time, though, has yeah. it? It was, uh, um, it was pretty I don't know, I, early I don't on. Think, I think I mean, they scanned. Yeah, there's, but there are... Yeah. There are similar attacks that are, that are still uh, still workable using you know the, certainly it's not at the level where you cut off someone's finger like in the movies. There are still physical attacks that will work, but um, the, it seems like quite a new method of doing it, or if not new, then at least novel in this space mm. because it's scan in place, like you say, you put your finger on the button, whereas all conventional approaches have been running your finger over a scanner. Yeah, and, so and it's and kind it, of like the move from sheet fed to uh, to flatbed. It's um, <laughs> new technique. Yeah, and uh, and the thing is, you can disable it. So if it's not something you want to run, you can disable it. And I imagine if that's not already in there, uh, software wise, there will probably be a way for businesses to be able to uh, you know disable that if they want to force people to uh, uh, you know to still yeah, key in to a pin use code, a passcode, yeah, etc. Um, I I would say that it must be a lot more secure than a lot of those picture passcodes and things that people are using now um for those kind of things you just look at where the screens are most fingerprinted mm. well it's it's much harder to copy someone's uh, fingerprint than it is to look over their shoulder and see their uh, pin isn't it that that's another thing yeah shoulder surfing what are you going to do you look uh, take an exact visual impression of their fingerprint <laughs> painstakingly carve it out of something <laughs> Yeah, fairly unlikely, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, so yeah. I think, I mean, a bunch of good things. And, uh, you know, if you're really interested in the uh, the keynote, you can actually stream that online. Uh, now Apple have got the uh, the, the, the whole thing up. Um, definitely something for uh, for the for the Apple fans, uh, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be something that's going to uh, you know continue to do reasonably well for them. I think you know two two probably uh, you know if I was to look at uh, what we could pick on them for one. Uh, you know, there's a growing audience that love to have a bigger, uh, a bigger size screen on on their phone, and certainly getting used to that on the other platforms. And and you know, that's an area that the, the rumors say Apple will be addressing next year. Uh, there is a lot in the four six, four seven inch range that's getting very popular. Yeah, and and we'll come to ch- chat about some of the other um, things that we've seen coming through. But you know, we've we've, we've Nokia have just put through uh, or launched into New Zealand through Telecom their uh, yeah four hundred ninety nine dollar uh, Lumia six twenty five, which has a four point seven inch screen. Now, very different I, yeah. in other specifications, but uh, you know there is there is that demand. And uh, the other point I was going to raise around uh, the iPhone five C, it is coming in at a slightly lower price. Uh, but I think we've still got that demand for uh, for lower cost phones, and Apple hasn't really addressed it here. And I think there was a there was really an expectation that Apple were going to bring in something cheaper. What what were you expecting price wise, Harley? Well, I mean, in US dollars, I'm seeing on the website here a 16 gig 5C is 99 bucks US. Yeah, that's with a two year so contract, though. So that's with not, a two year contract. It's I not a very that's, real price yeah. when you well, you know when you, I, it when is, you break yeah. it down. Yeah. It is a real price in the United States because New Zealand is fairly unique in the fact that we don't often buy phones on contract, or at least we don't talk about it as, as often. We don't consider that the real price. Whereas in the US, if I try and ask people what's the outright price of the phone you just bought, they, they wouldn't even consider it or think it's an odd question to ask. That so is I think changing that, here, though. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, um, uh, 
Is it changing hair as in New Zealand or changing hair as in the States where you are t- right now? Yeah, no, changing hair in the States. And, uh, you know, T-Mobile of, um, or T-Mobile as, uh, as the Americans call it, uh, you know, have been leading, leading the charge with a move away from this idea of signing contracts and having to wait two years before you can change mm. phones. And, and, and when you look at it, uh, yeah, that's, that's an issue for a lot of people because they want to get the new iPhone when it comes out each year. And, uh, the traditional thing of, of, you know, most of the carriers here has been, yeah, every two years you get a new phone. Yeah. Now, I mean, a lot of smartphones won't even last two years uh, with the number of times that we drop them and, you know, the sort of beatings that they uh, that they get. So, yeah, I, I always think it's kind of a, it's a strange way to, uh, to you know, to, to look at it. And, uh, you know, if you're not buying your phone out, outright, you don't have a complete choice over uh, plans and carriers and those sorts of things as well. I mean, you, effectively, it's just built into your plan, the rest of the cost, isn't it? That's how Indeed. they can offer a phone for $99, which outright it is, is, it is 549 So, yeah. But, I, I mean, I think it's, it's – surely it's the U.S. market that Apple target, targets first. And, and offering – being able to offer that as their on-plan price, I think they probably have set out to hit the price range that – that they were intending to, whereas down in New Zealand, where A, we're going to have the New Zealand tax on top of whatever the price is, and B, we look at the outright price. Um, I wouldn't say it's disappointing because I wasn't expecting it to come in at a you know ninety nine or one hundred and ninety nine even in New Zealand dollars. But it's um, it's it's not. I, I don't think it's going to be a hugely compelling price. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll open up a new market of iPhone buyers. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess we've had the lower-priced iPhones in terms of previous generations available for uh, for some time. Uh, so they're continuing to do that. The iPhone 4S uh, will be available. The iPhone 5 seems to have you know disappeared entirely, been replaced by the 5C. Uh, but the 4S is available, and that's now at $649 uh, in New Zealand. Uh, so for those that have sort of been you know hanging out to to you know get off a, a 3GS or something like that, um, then you know 649 dollars is a is a reasonably compelling price. Uh, but that tells to, us the 5C uh, will refresh. Yeah. 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 yeah, that tells us the 5C will come in at above that price point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the uh, a few bits of info have, um, have landed with us today. Uh, I sort of had a, a pick based on the things I was seeing overseas that we might see, and based on what the previous price was of the uh, the 4S, which was 899. Um, so my pick was probably that the 5C would come in at that sort of 899 price point, but uh, it's been fed back to me that uh, it's more than likely going to be landing in New Zealand at $799. For uh, the 16 gig. For the uh, 16 gig iPhone yep. 5C. Uh, and we're hearing around 10th or 11th of October uh, as the date that um, that the the... the iPhone, these new iPhones will will be launching, uh, not just in New Zealand, but in this other uh, countries that are part of this sort of second wave of uh, of of releases. So you know, Apple have done an initial release, uh, which interestingly is hitting China uh, in their initial sort of release phase, as well as Australia, the UK, uh, Singapore, and some other markets. Uh, but this is, I think, the first time that we've seen uh, Apple have have China there right at the get go. So they've been working very very, very hard to do that and of course China is the uh, yeah it's the biggest market in the world for these things uh, now so um, yeah fascinating okay. to, uh, to, to to see 
what's been going on, well, the results of whatever they've been doing behind the scenes there uh, to, to gear up to win market share in, uh, in China. Yeah, well, it's a, um, it'll be fascinating to see it land in New Zealand. I'm, uh, I, I can't wait to actually try out both the 5C and the 5S, but um, nothing, I mean, apart from the fingerprinting on the, on the 5S, I mean, nothing has blown me away as new, but maybe that's enough. That maybe that's enough for the 5S. The 5C, I've yet to be convinced. Yeah, well, well, the 5S, of course, you've got the usuals that we we've come to expect from Apple in terms of uh, you know processing uh, power. So it's you know doubled in in general performance. They've got some uh, crazy numbers. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, 43 times um, improvement in graphics speed in some some cases with its you know, change in its graphics processing. And also they've moved to a 64-bit processor. I was just going to say, it's the first time they've used a 64-bit architecture, isn't it? That is it's the well, first I, iOS product. Yeah, I think there's a couple of firsts here. So one is it's the I think it's the first uh, this you know because Apple uses the ARM uh, RISC chips in their uh, you know in in their uh, uh, phones and and also in the iPad and, and iPod Touch and so on. I think this is the first uh, time we're seeing a 64-bit ARM chip you know, out in the in the wild in a in a commercial product, uh, and it's also the the possibly the first of a new generation of um, LTE chips. Now, um, the full story on LTE isn't entirely uh, clear. I haven't really seen all the detail, but they're they're talking about a phone that can uh, roam better from an LTE or a 4G perspective. Because at the moment, if you buy a um, if you buy an iPhone in New Zealand, and so I I, you know brought my uh, my New Zealand uh, iPhone up to the US. Uh, actually, the bands that New Zealand uses for uh, for 4G or for LTE aren't compatible with the bands that they use in the US. Uh, and there was there was some talk that these uh, that the iPhone 5S is going to uh, yeah give better results for those that are actually uh, that those that are roaming. Uh, but that said, I haven't really got a clear picture on that. Uh, just yet, and, we, and that'll come clear over the next few days. But it seems like they're, you know, they haven't been able to standardise down just to one or two iPhones. I think there's four different variations based on where in the world you are. Uh, right. So, so they've you know, still got regional variation. So, so there are still uh, some yeah. some limitations there. Uh, but what I did see, uh, and there was an article about this online. Intel shared it with me, and then said, "Oh, I think this might be uh, under." Um, under under uh, non-disclosure, uh, but I did see it published online uh, publicly uh, today. Someone ha- obviously had their hands on this a few days ago, um, so we can talk about it. Uh, is and and I've seen one of these is a new LTE chip that Intel are bringing uh, that supports uh, fifteen uh, LTE uh, bands. So uh, that's that's really right. covers so, a whole lot of yeah. bases, and that that really you know is likely to be uh, an LTE chip that you can truly uh, use in in many many regions. So um, of course Apple is not using the Intel uh, technology in in the iPhone, so there will certainly be a variation uh, to what Intel are doing there. But uh, you know again, it's good to see uh, competition going on in the in these spaces, and the, you know the different companies sort of pushing up against each other indeed 
Now, uh, one product that I was invited to have a look at this week was uh, Samsung's new uh, Galaxy Gear, the uh, the smartwatch, and yes. the Note 3. Now, uh, as it happens, I had to turn that down because I was traveling. Uh, but Harley, you were there to uh, oh, to, yes. to, to get a to get a hands on uh, the whole bunch of photos that you put up at PCWorld.co.nz. Um, of Why, thank the, you for looking of the new gear from Samsung. So uh, give us a quick run through. Tell us uh, about the Galaxy Gear. Is it good? Is it not? Uh, and the Note Three. Um, I think I'm having a look at it maybe uh, next week if I can uh, squeeze it in. I'm back, just back in Auckland for two days. Um, so uh, yeah, well, f- fire away. Tell all. Well, first of all, if you do get the chance to have a look at it, do have a look at it. It is well worth it. Um, the Galaxy Gear, which was announced, um, was it late last week or earlier this? The time blends together uh, when yeah, uh, was, some of the events are la- on. Last week, yep. Yes. Um, the Galaxy Gear really stole the show, I think. I mean, the Note 3 is a, is a beautiful-looking phone, but it is essentially another Galaxy Note. It is a big, you know, uh, phablet, some may say. I hate the term, phone-slash-tablet. Um, let's just say it's it's a large, you know, um, large-screened phone with a uh, pressure-sensitive pen aimed at the artistic market, um, people who would sketch or draw, aimed to replace a notepad, hence the name. But the Galaxy Gear stole the show because it was something truly new. And we've seen smartwatches before. I mean, Sony's got one out in market, but it was the first smartwatch that I've seen that actually... And um, sorry, what, I've what lost. That, sorry, we lost you there. Can you just uh, re- repeat that? It's the first, uh, the first smartwatch. First smartwatch that I've seen that has a compelling case to exist. Interesting. And and that is that. Um, and what Samsung have done with their uh, their um, use of the well, their their pitch for the gear is is quite. Uh, interesting. It pairs with Samsung Galaxy smartphones, and that is it. I mean, specifically with the Note 3, uh, the Note 2, and the S4 through optional software updates for those. Yeah, because um, and initially yep. it's only going to work with the Note 3, isn't it? And then we'll see some software that is correct. updates to uh, yep. make software updates in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they will be very rapidly coming. Um, and the Gear is landing uh, very soon with Telecom for exclusively for a month before it opens up. But um, its its compelling case for its existence is that making a phone call on the Galaxy Note, or in fact, you know, receiving a phone call, checking a, a text message you've just received on the Note, is a pain because the Galaxy Note is just too big to fit in most people's pockets. It is the kind of phone that you carry in a bag, and as soon as you start carrying your phone in a bag, you can't feel it vibrate, and you probably can't hear it ring unless you're one of those people with a very obnoxiously loud ring. So having this wrist-mounted device offsets the downsides to having this almost tablet-sized phone by giving you those alerts that you're losing from not having it you know, in, your, in your pants or your shirt pocket. And that gives it, you know, I mean, the Note definitely has upsides to being that size. For a lot of people, I'd say it, it removes the need for a tablet. But uh, the downside is that it's no longer attached to your body in the way that a phone is, and the watch fills that gap. I don't know if you would have a Galaxy Gear with a Galaxy S4 smartphone, but an S4 will fit in your pocket. You'll feel it there vibrating when you get a call. With the Note, that probably isn't the case, and the Galaxy Gear fixes that perfectly. 
I think it'll probably depend somewhat on the uh, on the type of user and uh, you know how keen the user is to uh, you know to wear another gadget. Uh, I think there's probably some some use cases. Uh, I mean, might not be good from a safety perspective, but uh, certainly you're allowed to look at your watch while you're driving your car. Uh, but uh, you know you're not allowed to pick up your uh, your smartphone. Uh, of course, you can have it in a cradle and so on, but. Uh, there, yeah, I can I can see there there being a uh, you know a, a case there, quick way of reading your text message while you're uh, while while you're driving. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I certainly I'm not wouldn't saying recommend that's, it. That's but, wise, yeah. but uh, no, yeah. knowing some of my uh, I'll call them past habits um, <laughs> for uh, driving with no hands and the like in years gone by. Um, there, uh, yeah. There, there, there's always there's always a case for uh, yeah for other ways to uh, uh, to access that information on your uh, on your phone if it's if it's nice and easy. Yeah, and and I mean in terms of what you said about wearing another gadget with smartwatches, I've seen in the past. I mean that has been the case. You're wearing another gadget, but the the Gear is also the first smartwatch I've seen that truly is just a watch. Um, it's where I'm wearing a size perspective, or? from a size perspective and a weight perspective, and also from the feel on the wrist. Mm, mm. Um, so, but size and weight particularly, it was no heavier. In fact, possibly slightly lighter than my own analog metal-bodied wristwatch. And the gear does appear to be metal-bodied, but plastic-strapped, and uh, or rubber-strapped, I should say. And um, the weight was was no greater than my own watch, if not slightly less. And the the size, it was no thicker than my own watch. And um, certainly, it's smaller than a lot of conventional analog and digital watches it's smaller than most sports watches whereas usually a smart watch is more you know more the size of a big chunky casio sport watch but this is more the size of a, of a nice slim wear with your suit and tie business analog wristwatch right which i think is is i mean that may seem like a small thing it's all just in the design but it is a very very big thing because you're not wearing an extra piece of tech if you already wear a wristwatch Sure, sure. Okay. Um, well, that, no, that's that's good. And uh, the the Note Three. I mean, that's certainly something we'll we'll have a have a bit more of a uh, uh, a, a look at. But you know, from your perspective, uh, it's sort of a, a continuation on from from the Note Two. There wasn't anything that sort yep. of you know that's really jumped cool. out at you. I mean, obviously increased performance. Um, yeah. Bigger yeah. size uh, screen, I think a smaller bezel, and and so on. Yeah, I mean, we're well, becoming the, used to those yeah. sort of things from uh, yeah from Samsung and and from other smartphone vendors too, right? Yeah, well, we've got a point two uh, point two of an inch increase in uh, what would the Americans say? That would be um, I can't be bothered doing the fraction, but um, uh, you're looking at a full fifth of an inch uh, increase in screen size and a two millimeter decrease in physical width. So you're not talking about a huge increase in screen size. I couldn't notice it over the Note 2, to be honest. Um, but it's not; it hasn't gotten bigger anyway, as in the device hasn't gotten fatter, wider. It's, in fact, the same height exactly. So it's. Um, I think what Samsung would like you to see as the big move forward with the 3 is that the multitasking has been improved with a series of pen gestures, and uh, which they're selling as circle dot square. I shan't go into the detail, but that relates to how you use the use the pen mm. and a button on the side of the pen for what is essentially a right click, mm. at which mm. then launches several multitasking actions. And it's smooth. It works beautifully. I don't think it's going to revolutionize the space, but but I think it is an improvement. It's mm. it's all good. The multitasking is still limited to applications that have 
you know, specific support for that coded in. But it, it is the big name apps. It's YouTube. It's the web browser. It's their own Samsung's own chat on um, email. So it's the kind of apps you would multitask with. But it doesn't let you say play Robot Unicorn Attack while watching a YouTube video. It's um, it is limited to specific applications, mm. and and so it's still not what I would call true multitasking. But it's um, in, in terms of the applications that it supports, it is proper windowed multitasking. You can draw windows of arbitrary size, um, or you can still have the original split 50-50. With, uh, what you can now have that you couldn't before is, say, two web browsers or two chat windows. Previously, sure. it was uh, two different types of window. So they've opened up a bit what you can do with the multitasking. It's still not like you get on, say, a, a Windows tablet or on a um, a desktop um, Mac OS or Windows PC. Okay. But um, it's it, it is a step forward, and I think that's that's what Samsung most wants you to look at, and that probably is the thing most worth looking at with the Note Three. Right. A- apart from that, I mean, I a- given the choice of of a Note Two or a Note Three for a little, you know, for a couple of hundred extra, I'd go for the new one. Yeah, but right. um, but there's yeah there's there's nothing hugely revolutionary to me in, in the hardware or the software. Yeah, I mean it seems to me like uh, you know Samsung is somewhat uh, complicating their devices with some of these uh, you know features. It, it looks good, you know, so some of those features look good in a demo and so on. Uh, but it would be interesting to know just how many people uh, you know use the features like like the multitasking and so on. It seems like a screen, the screen on a uh, um, on a on a smartphone, even even one that you might call a phablet. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really have the space to be doing a whole lot of things at once. But yeah, that that said, yeah, you know, people are using smartphones in all sorts of ways that uh, you know no one ever thought of in the past. So yeah, maybe there's a case for it. I'm yeah. going to hold my judgment yeah. until I've. Had had a bit of a, a bit of a look myself. Yeah. Uh, now, a couple of other topics uh, this this uh, this week to do with uh, music, uh, iTunes Radio, uh, which has landed, and uh, and Xbox Music. Now, Xbox Music has landed uh, on iPhone and Android, where it wasn't available in the past. Um, already available on uh, Windows 8, RT, Windows Phone, and and the Xbox. Um, ha- and if uh- well, if Microsoft's figures to me uh, last night, uh, this was casually at a media dinner, so uh, I wasn't you know, looked up. But um, I, I was told 15% is Windows Phone in New Zealand at the moment. New Zealand has an abnormally high Windows Phone market share. Impressive. So uh, that, that opens up Xbox Music in the mobile space to 85% more devices. <laughs> or, you know, right. 85, the, the other 85%. Right, right. Um, um, Sorry, I'm not even counting BlackBerry as a percentage, which I'm sure they do have one. But okay, so, so it opens it up to a large percentage. <laughs> Yeah. of the market, which it hasn't been, and I think that's a great thing because Xbox Music is a good service. Yeah, and uh, and they're also offering it free via a web browser. It is ad supported, but uh, yep. you know it. Uh, which on um, the Xbox was previously available, but only for was that a limited time? Oh no, it was no, it was available completely free for a limited time and then ad supported. Yeah, yeah, and we'll yes. see. Even yes. the browser one, um, they're, they're they're talking about there being some limit on that uh, just general availability by the. By the browser, but I mean, we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, that one over time. Uh, did you have a chance to sort of look in a whole lot at uh, at iTunes Radio today? I mean, that's something I'm thinking I'll uh, I'll spend a bit more time sort of uh, looking over, um, and we'll come back. Maybe we'll come back on that one on uh, on another episode. Yeah. Well, besides seeing it, men- or besides hearing it mentioned, I've uh, I haven't had a look at iPhones uh, iTunes Radio at all. So I mean, I know there's some speculation about it going to exist, but since then, yeah. 
All right. Now, uh, we mentioned uh, briefly before about uh, Nokia uh, Lumia 625. Uh, it's launched in New Zealand with Telecom, $499. Uh, quite a nice you know, handset. Um, there are certainly similarities between some of the Nokia handsets and what we saw today from Apple in the, uh, in the 5C with their sort of polycarbonate shell and you know, various colors and so on. Uh, I, I would say that that is a case of Apple emulating Nokia rather than the other way around, because that is the design that Nokia has been using since its uh, Mego phone a couple of years ago. And um, that's the first thing I thought when I saw the 5C was, wow, that's really Nokia-like. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, everyone, uh, all, all the vendors will draw from, you know, inspiration from each other in one way or another, won't they? Exactly. Um, well, I mean, there's only so much you can do in a rectangle that fits in your palm. <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, now, looking at uh, looking at Nokia, there's also been the, uh, the 1520 details that have become available in the, in the last uh, few days. And I guess this is their, uh, their sort of stab at what uh, Samsung are doing with the, with the Galaxy Note, which has you know, been selling you know, millions and millions of units. So obviously there's a demand for these bigger uh, smartphones or phablets. Uh, and and I, see, I see they've done very much what uh, Samsung has done with the Note as well, and just up, uh, as Samsung upsized the S4 or upsized mm. the, the Galaxy S to make mm. the Note, mm. um, the Lumia 1520, or what, we've, what we see that we believe is the 1520, looks very much like the, is it the 1120, or the 1020, sorry, like very much like the 1020. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting in it and it and its look. Uh, what it does lack is, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Samsung got their unique bits of software and so on that, that, that come with, uh, you know, most of their Android products. But also, there's the uh, um, there's the stylus. Uh, yes. Seems fairly unlikely we're going to see a stylus on a Windows phone uh, in the short term. Although, you know, conceivably, it's not something that would be incredibly difficult for Microsoft to deliver since uh, Windows 8, which is what Windows Phone 8 is, uh, you know, is based on to a, to a fair degree, um, you know, has uh, handwriting uh, recognition and, and stylus support in it. In fact, you know, Windows has done for uh, uh, for many, many years. So, oh, yes. uh, you know, there's there's no reason that couldn't uh, couldn't come in the future, but it's not something that we're expecting to see with, uh, uh, with the Lumia uh, 1520. Now, the other thing looking at uh, Microsoft uh, related uh, products is the uh, the surface uh, surface 2 there's been uh, you know, a bunch of uh, leaks over the last uh, few days about uh, you know Microsoft's uh, next iteration of their tablet which of course includes the next generation Intel uh, um, or fourth generation core processors the Haswell chip uh, there's there's been a you know a, a bit of news uh, coming out of that. Um, the main thing we know is September the 23rd now has been uh, announced as uh, when Microsoft uh, will reveal the new uh, the new Surface products. So yes, an announcement for an announcement. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. So uh, uh, so we've got we've got that information. Uh, there 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 yeah there, there's a bunch of uh, you know details on online about the uh, the new products a keyboard with uh, with battery included uh, you know we, we we're hearing about um, uh, what were the, I'm trying to think what the other uh, sort of you know main bits were that stood out a uh, a dock 
that will supposedly support the Surface Pro and the Surface Pro 2. Uh, so, you know, makes it a really practical sort of work device when you can snap it into a dock and have yeah, keyboard, mouse, monitor, yeah, network and so on attached. So, um, yeah, so some good things there uh, coming from uh, Microsoft and it'll be interesting yeah. just to uh, just to see if they get on any better because uh, they certainly haven't won a whole lot of market share with uh, uh, with the Surface just yet, have they? Well, no, they haven't, and I don't, I don't think they deserve it with the Surface. I think the Surface was a very good idea in a lot of ways, but it's it was meant to be the best Windows tablet that anyone would see, because it was meant to be the example product. And in fact, it's not. A cheap Acer Iconia is the best Windows tablet that I've seen so far. But I think one of the things that really put me off the, the Surface was the battery life, and adding Haswell to that in the next generation might be exactly what the Surface needs to really be a, a contender in the tablet space because Microsoft did get so much right with it. There just wasn't enough right compared to something that's had so many generations to polish as the iPad or uh, Samsung's Galaxies. Sure, yeah, and no, I think there's uh, there's there's a fair bit to look forward to for uh, you know for those that are that are looking at uh, you know, at at Windows based tablets and uh, you know what's coming from Microsoft will is only one you know piece of that puzzle. Uh, and you know we're certainly expecting over the um, yeah ne- next month or so to, to to have that picture filled out uh, filled out a whole lot more. Now uh, looking at local New Zealand news, a uh, company called EasyFlix uh, has has launched uh, in New Zealand, and uh, this is another uh, another streaming uh, video service, uh, not a um, not SVOD or. Um, um, Subscription video on demand, as it stands for, mm-hmm. uh, but one where you can, you know, basically rent or buy individual content. So quite different from the Netflix and and Quickflix model. You know, one fixed feed yeah, per month, yeah. you get a whole lot of content. Uh, but they do cross over with Quickflix as well because Quickflix uh, in New Zealand, of course, have as well as their subscription model the option where you can, uh, you know, rent various, uh, you know, movies and 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 TV programs. Uh, so yeah, they've launched out into New Zealand uh, with the rent or the or the buy option, and yeah, a chunk of interesting uh, content. Um, yeah, and- I, I think the content range is very impressive based on what we've seen in New Zealand to date. Because we've had very limited availability of con- of digital video content in New Zealand, even mm. while our music's been getting better and better, and uh, I think this is um, it's the first it's the first service I've seen that's truly impressed me enough that I might actually use it. But part of that is because you're not paying a subscription fee and hoping they've got what you want. You sign up, and if they've got what you want, you pay for it, and if they don't have what you want, then you don't pay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, um, one area I think that I think there was a little bit of controversy over was uh, Breaking Bad, and uh, they launched with uh, you know with right up to uh, the latest season, season six, uh, which seemed pretty impressive. I think people were pretty impressed with that. Yeah, there was a uh, lot of reaction on Twitter f- positively around that. Yeah, uh, but it uh, it soon disappeared because it seems that uh, maybe they didn't have the rights to that now. Uh, we haven't actually heard heard from uh, from the EasyFlix guys uh, a whole lot. Well, mostly because I have we uh, haven't had time to actually hit them up. Um, actually, no. Maybe I'm waiting on an email response from them. Um, that that yeah might be in their court. So we did get an announcement from them, you know, saying, look, this thing this thing's uh, landing. Uh, but yeah, we'd certainly like to hear a little bit more about what what uh, you know what the future story is around their content because there's still 
you know, a huge amount that they don't have, but uh, but they're they're off to a uh, I'd say a reasonable start. It seemed like they were making claims around amount of content that may be related to their Australian catalogue and not their New Zealand catalogue. Uh, so you know, a few slip ups there as they as they get started. Yeah, well, um, be but uh, yeah. I mean, we've got to say it's good having more of these things coming into the market. Uh, you know, for New Zealand consumers, surely. It is, and I think the the you know pay to watch rather than the rather than a fixed subscription. And for music, if you're listening to music, you don't listen to one track at a time. So for music, subscription works well. But for content, when you sit down and you watch a you know 40 minute show or, or you watch a two hour movie, then buy watch makes a lot of sense. So I think that is definitely the right direction to go in with video. Yeah, I think I've got to sort of disagree a little bit there. I think it's best to have both both options to have the subscription and the pay i think you know for for content that's got a little bit of age to it and so on the subscription model you know generally i think from both a user perspective and a business perspective uh works quite well for newer content then you know sure the uh that you know the, the uh, producers aren't going to uh, you know allow their newest movie to be on a on a um on a subscription service so you do have to pay for it but uh yeah i i certainly like the likes of uh you know netflix in terms of that you know huge catalog of uh of content in their in their one fixed fee now uh one final thing for uh for this week's podcast the playstation vita tv Yes. Now, this uh, this was a bit of a surprise. I had no idea this was coming. I mean, it comes in as as really a competitor in some ways, or uh, uh, yeah, to uh, to the likes of uh, Apple TV and uh, uh, you know Roku and 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 so on. Um, any 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 thoughts that sort of jumped out to you on the um, the the place the yeah PlayStation Vita TV? Well, I mean, mostly like you say, it came as a huge surprise, really. I mean, you're talking about something that looks like a you know portable USB hard drive that's um, that's based on that PlayStation technology, at least in terms of its control and things. And um, yeah, I, I I wonder if it's a I, I can't help but wonder if it's at all uh, a sort of I, I would say reaction, but that's wrong because I mean it must have been in development for quite some time. But it it, it feels like sort of a counterpoint to uh, how strongly Microsoft pushed TV with the Xbox One or or Xbone. But um, but this is a device that's designed only to do that and aimed at people who who that's what they want to do and they won't necessarily have a game console and to me that comes across as as almost the better option. Yeah. So um, what's it going to be able to do? You're going to be able to uh, play the same games as you can play on the PlayStation Vita, which of course is their their handheld uh, you know gaming uh, console. Um, you're mm-hmm. going to be able to stream content to it, aren't you? Uh, as far as I understand, you're going to be able to stream content to it in the uh, yeah in, in the same way that you could with a with a full size PlayStation, isn't that correct? The same same as the PS4 in terms of video streaming. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's quite an identical match, but yeah, you can certainly mm. push you know, a whole lot of whole lot of content to it. Uh, and now, have you heard any New Zealand pricing on it? I uh, I've got a uh, recollection of uh, is it 99 US dollars. I have not seen New Zealand pricing on it yet. Um, one thing I did find very interesting, actually, not not on the pricing, but it was that the um, what they were suggesting with remote play, okay. which was the ability to um, to stream PS4 games, um, so, so that you are um, 
and, and this this was a this was a feature. I don't believe it'll be available at launch. But the, they talked about the ability to stream PS4 games to another television over. I mean, over the device, uh, I, and, and a system that, to me, as far as I understand, was somewhat like uh, was being talked about earlier with being able to, you know, run games in the cloud, stream them, or run games. Uh, I think there was something similar on uh, on PC to be able to run a game on your PC, stream it to a to another device. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm not does, really sure of the details about that, but yeah, there was no, definitely that, talk around like, game streaming. Like quite an interesting feature. My understanding of it was, yeah, if you've got uh, you know two people, maybe you want to battle it out on uh, on PlayStation Four. You've got one console, but you've got uh, you know two TVs, two screens, different yeah. different uh, rooms. Yeah. Uh, you that you could plug the Vita into the second screen, and it's basically all being driven uh, by your main PlayStation Four. So exactly, you know, th- th- innovative features like that. Uh, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that stands out to me, and uh, you know, and it, and it makes this a you know a fairly interesting product. And you know, just puts extra heat on uh, on Microsoft. And you know, we we revealed a um, uh, couple of weeks ago on the podcast about a, a you know a, a, a survey of some uh, some stores, and we saw some sales figures that had the uh, uh, PlayStation Four you know massively outselling the Xbox by uh, five to one in this particular case. Now, um, you know, we haven't seen enough enough data. This was a sample of I think you know under 400 um, device pre-orders uh, and there could be a whole lot of reasons why uh, why those figures were you know so much higher for the uh, uh, the PlayStation 4 and we haven't heard those figures from anywhere anywhere else uh, so you know I've got no reason to believe that that's actually what it's going to be like at launch but uh, you know the, there is I think a lot of pressure on uh, you know on Microsoft now and I you know I don't think that they're uh, they're guaranteed uh, to win the same market share this time around with the uh, the Xbox One as uh, as what they did with the uh, Xbox 360. Well, New Zealand has also often been referred to as a PlayStation nation as well, and I'm not sure how much that's going to carry through into the new generation. I think being able to start with two consoles being released in the same you know same summer. Um, directly competing you'll be able to get a really good comparison which with the offset release dates of previous generations you haven't really been able to do so I, i'm i'm really uh looking forward to sort of seeing the head-to-head comparison when we do start getting new zealand sales figures yeah yeah well we'll look forward to that hey well that wraps us up uh for this week on the new zealand tech podcast so thank you everyone for listening in uh now you can track me paul spain down on twitter at paul spain and i'm on uh on all the other social networks uh uh google google plus and uh and and facebook and, and linkedin and so on um now harley where do we where do we find you uh, you can find me during the day at, at nzpcworld or pcworld.co.nz. And if you, for some strange reason, want to follow me personally, I'm at Harley, O-G-I-E-R on excellent, Twitter. Excellent, excellent. Hey, well, thanks uh, thanks for joining us uh, again, Harley. Always good to have you uh, have you on the podcast. Uh, and, of course, uh, people, as well as uh, you know, subscribing uh, to the NZ Tech Podcast um, feed, um, you can also find us at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're on facebook.com uh, slash nztechpodcast, and we're on Twitter at NZ Tech Podcast. So um, you know, if you want to keep up to date with the various news, the various events and things we go to, uh, we've been, you know, there's been a whole bunch of tweets coming coming through uh, uh, our Twitter handle here from uh, um, 
uh, IDF this week, and uh, you know there'll there'll be continue to be a lot of uh, content through those channels as well. So uh, well worth connecting with us uh, in those channels. So uh, hey, thanks everyone. We'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.